0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 129 of The Yakking Show. This is a show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we're finding ourselves in. As always, we have interesting guests. Today will be no exception, but it's not my job to introduce guests. So first, let me introduce my co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo. Kathleen is from Kiritech Solutions and she is the lady who can help you with all your IT development needs. So Kathleen, welcome to the episode 129 of the Acting Show. How's Waterloo today?
1: <laughs> it's doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that intro, appreciate it. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Roy Strauss, and I'm very excited to have him on the show because he's coming to us from uh, New Jersey. Uh, welcome, Roy, how are you today?
2: Hi, Kathleen, hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, uh, so, so Roy, you are the founder of the Strauss Consulting Group, and you provide a full range of consulting services in supply chain management, material handling, logistics, warehousing and distribution, and manufacturing. For our audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to establish your own consulting company that is now, what, 38 years old?
2: Yes, 38 years. Congratulations Um, on that. Okay, so just a little bit on a high level first. What I'm sharing here is not to talk about me, but your experiences so your audience can pick up on what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I've done and apply it to their own situations, okay? Uh, Mine may be for supply chain, but in networking so much for all these years, I find when I share, and I've been paying it forward for a very long time, because when I was young, people helped me, and I'd like to help everyone I can. Uh, If you listen to what I did, don't say Roy did that, but think about the process, or how he related to the situation, or what he observed, and see how you could apply that to your own situation. So regarding starting the the company, okay, so I started working for a company, my first real job, and uh, the two most important things you can bring to a situation is, knowledge and experience. Well, I came with the knowledge, but not the experience. And it was an eye-opener, my first real job in the real world, okay. And I I have an affinity towards numbers. So I was hired for purchasing an inventory control position. Uh, But a couple of months later, uh, the company hired a a warehousing consultant. Little did I I know when I started with that company, we would be experiencing hyper growth for the next 10 years. And uh, we we grew tenfold in 10 years. And um, if you've lived the experience, like I've lived hypergrowth, I can share that with anyone else in my consulting practice that is going through hypergrowth. Again, I talked about knowledge and experience. If you haven't experienced hypergrowth, like you can't read how to play golf in a book and you can't read how to manage, uh, monitor, execute in hyper growth without experiencing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, again, I was with the company two months and I'm working with this consultant and I don't like anything he's doing. And the short of it, I went to the president of the company and said, I didn't, I don't like what he's doing. And he said to me, you didn't know what a pilot was three months ago.
0: <laughs>
2: Learn something from the experienced man. So I started taking notes, uh, real short version, Brought them to the president, and uh, after a long July Fourth weekend, they called the meeting and said, "I don't know what's going on here, but the kid knows more than the consultant who's running the project." And this is what this is how I learned. This is what I was born to do. Ten years later, I was going to learn, and consulting is how I'm supposed to do it. Okay. So what happens is I see situations that, quite frankly people don't see. I, I see things people don't see, and I create things they can't imagine. Uh, again, that's part of my magic. And what I'm suggesting to the viewers is, you're going to know what your magic is, and make sure you use your magic and apply it to the situations you're in. So uh, we, we did that project with the consultant. And now it's uh, three years later, and the president comes into me and says, uh, Uh, your plan didn't work. It's a five-year plan. We outgrew it in three years. Again, we were doing a hyper-growth thing. And I said, good, don't sell so much. That's me being, that's Roy being Roy, okay? And what was happening is, I said, that was the other guy's work. Tell me what you need and I'll take care of it. And he told me what he was going to do. And he told me what the resources were. And I came back to him and said, it can't work. And this was the birth of the operational growth plan that came out of my thought process. Okay. So um, what happens is um, every company has a marketing growth plan, but what a company needs is an operational growth plan to ensure that the growth plan is going to work or to show where the shortfalls are. So either ramp down the aggressiveness of the growth plan, or you increase the resources to ensure success. And what that allows one to do is model over the course of the growth period and again, supply chain, how much space I'm going to need at what cost, what equipment at what cost, what staffing at what cost, what IT resources and capabilities it what cost. And what's most important, what systems and processes must be in place. So as volume requirements increase to meet your customers' demands, you're always ready and prepared. Mm-hmm. So when I meet with clients now, we develop an operational growth plan that they participate in. But also, just as important, I create monitoring tools. So if they start to grow faster, they may get automation sooner. They start to slow down. They're going to be the first ones to stop money going into recession. Because when they have this plan, no matter what happens, they know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and what it's going to cost them. Okay, so this is a key feature of my consulting practice that doesn't exist out there for the most part because I don't go into other companies that have operational growth plans. Uh, The other key experience I had working for that company, it gets transferred to all my clients and all my projects. Again, I'm a numbers person and I'm looking and saying, we have all this stuff that doesn't sell, why? And the second question is, they told me we keep two months worth of inventory Why do we have two years or two millenniums? And that got me developing a whole bunch of scientific processes to determine what products a company should be selling that they can be make money selling. And how do you keep that inventory down to the level it's supposed to be? Um, And again, I know all the reasons why you have too much inventory. You go to Las Vegas to a show special and you buy a bunch of stuff you never intended to have. You put two more pallets on the truck to get truckload rate, and you have a whole bunch of stuff you never intended to have. And over the years, your warehouse is filling up with stuff you never intended to have. So, as part of our process, we scientifically determine with the client what that should be, what they should be selling. We work with them so they learn how not to increase the inventory beyond the goal. So, what happens now is the client is going through less space because they have less stuff less space means i'm going through faster my service levels are going way up and that means less time which means less people which needs less equipment so by doing the product mix inventory study what we've created is you're increasing customer service dramatically and you are reducing costs for space inventory staff and equipment Now, when Warren Buffett talks about buying a company, he wants a protective moat for his company. And the protective moat is, you can't touch me on product, service, or cost. We just created that for our clients. So the result of doing the growth study and the product mix study, our clients beat the competition every time, and they're increasing cash flow exponentially, okay? I'll talk about the other side of the project, designing distribution and manufacturing later on, But this is the key to our growth and our success, Okay, So again, uh, when I started the company, I said, we're going to be different, we're going to be creative, and we're going to outwork everybody else. So I'm suggesting to the viewers out there, what I created is key differentiators, those studies that didn't exist out there. What key key differentiators can you create for your business that you can use so you can sell these to your potential clients' customers so you will beat the competition every time.
1: Right.
2: right. And that's one of the reasons, several reasons, why we have for 38 years.
0: Yeah.
2: Excellent.
1: Yes.
0: <clears throat> so... <clears throat> Over those 38 years, uh, you've worked with many, many different companies and businesses, Rui, and and I gather some were receptive for taking advice, but others were resistant. You know, the old story, well, we've always done it this way, which we've all heard so many times. So how do you go about changing the nose to a yes or, or even preventing the nose in the first place?
2: Okay, so what we have is a situation where, let's say, I don't care what you're selling, you're going to visit the company and what you have to be wary of is, I call them the silent assassins. (laughs) The people that will, no change. Cover your fanny. You're not invading my territory. We can't spend money on that. So what I'm having happen, what I arrange is that when I'm making that initial meeting, not only do I want the decision maker, the business owner, the president to be there, but I want the vice president of operations, the vice president of marketing, uh, vice president of operations, mm-hmm. vice president of finance, all the people that when you've made that, that presentation to the decision maker and he goes back to them later and they're going to deep six you because they don't want you there, they're now in front of you. And when you, when you present them with nuggets that they can't say no to, they can't say no to the president. Right. So what are we doing for the president? Where the president is going to have a growth plan where for the first time in in their lives, he or she, no matter what happens, they're going to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what it's going to cost them. The CFO can't complain because we're going to reduce the costs for space staff inventory and um space. Space mm-hmm. staff inventory and equipment. Sorry. Equipment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The CFO can't complain because we reduce costs. The C- or Vice President, CMO or Vice President of Marketing can complain because he's got the best product, or the best service, at lowest cost. The, CEO, the Vice President of Operations can complain because he's streamlined operation. He's totally outperforming the competition. So you've cut the feet out of underneath the, of the, those that would deep six you later on by having yeah. them there. <clears throat> and I will postpone a meeting if they can't be there because I don't need the CFO telling the president we can't afford it after I'm gone when he hasn't heard what's going to happen or she hasn't Can heard have. what's going to happen. Okay. Right. And the close of the meeting for all of you, no, we're not selling something. In my case, you're not going to find a better place to increase your internal ROI than in doing this project. So-
0: right. that, That's a that's answered that one very nicely. Thank you for that.
2: Uh, let me give you a couple more that's really important though. You've just sure. been told no. Okay. <laughs> So I meet with the president of the company. He says, we don't need you. I'm going to do the project myself. So I said to him, good, then I'll be the president. (laughs) He says to me, what are you talking about? I said, well, I've run companies before. I've done both jobs. You've only done the president's job. You haven't done my job. And I know (laughs) that it's going to take 20 hours a day to do both. And you're going to be tired. And you're going to be stretched thin. And you're not going to do either job well so since you can't do both you take first choice either be the president <laughs> or a consultant i'm suggesting you be the president he looks at me goes hmm you know what yeah. you're right okay <laughs> i could give you more examples of that but i want to leave more time for other other stuff okay? sure so no, that, that's yeah. good that's good <laughs> yeah once you've been, once you've been told no there's no risk you can't take i mean so- no squared is the same as no <laughs>
0: That's true. i, I got to throw a quick one in before yeah. Kathleen asks you a question. You know, I, lo- I love your attitude and your negotiating strategy. I'm surprised you didn't go into politics. I mean, you, <laughs> would, you would have done
2: well. I'd rather <laughs> deal. I'd rather deal with honest people. Ah. <laughs> Good one, <laughs> Kathleen. Over to you.
1: <clears throat> so, so Roy, how has the supply chain management been impacted by the coronavirus uh, restrictions?
2: Well, one of the most interesting things, you know, like I said, we network, network, network to grow our business as consultants. And um, so what's happened is um, uh, when I meet a group of people in a networking group, two years ago, everybody would say, What's supply chain? Okay, everybody knows what supply chain is yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get the chips for your car, you couldn't get toilet paper supply chains have been interrupted substantially. In my particular case, on Monday, March 9th, 2020, I was in New York City making a presentation to the board to do a major consulting project. They said, we'll get back to you Friday. They shut everything down Thursday. And when I spoke to them Friday, they said too much uncertainty. We don't know what we're doing. We can't do the project right now. By the way, we still haven't done a project. So if you think there's uncertainty Um, that affects stock market and business in general, well, supply chain is even worse Mm -hmm. because you don't know when people are going to stop buying what you have when you're stuck with the extra stuff. Or in this case, they want more cars, they want more toilet paper, and you can't keep it in stock. So again, the most important things are to have your systems, to have your growth plan, to have your monitoring systems so at least you can have some predictability as to what may be happening from your data and take that and run with it. And again, whatever business you're in, data, 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 you must have good data and you must understand how it works and what to do with it. And if you don't, please learn it. The data is the key to success in just about every business.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I got one for you and that ties very much into what you're talking about with supply chain. And obviously it's changing, but in, in my experience with big companies and small, I've found that uh, the the glamour divisions like marketing, production and accounting tend to to get well treated and warehousing and distribution always treated as the Cinderella's of the company. And that leads to all sorts of problems. Is is that an accurate reflection or or are you managing to change that?
2: Well, I personally can change anything. I can just help my clients get through it the best way possible. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. For the longest time until very recently. A number of years ago, I had made a sales call to a large division of one of the major companies on a stock exchange, I will not mention their name, um, because it was a long time ago, and I don't want to embarrass them. And they had many buildings, and they didn't know which product was in which building. And I'm presenting to the group that fixes that, which was part of supply chain was part of marketing, Mm -hmm. marketing started it; supply chain, makes sure it happens. And they said, we don't have money for stuff like that. And they went through the project. Now, though, everyone understands what's the sense of selling it if you can't deliver it or you can't deliver it properly. So supply chain is finally starting to take its proper place in recognition among the companies that, again, it's vital. And if you don't take care of the back end, the front end is irrelevant. Okay, you can market it great, you can sell it great, and if you can't deliver it, you know, yeah, no good,
0: <clears throat> no good for sure.
1: Do you do you believe, Roy, that um, outsourced warehousing and distribution will replace in-house operations in many smaller businesses?
2: Um, I believe that's definitely going to be the case moving forward. In fact, it's been the case recently. Okay, if you wanted to, you're starting a new business and you need a warehousing operation or manufacturing operation, the cash outlay to get the space, to get the equipment, to do the whole hiring process, to do the training process, to fill the building with inventory, whether it's raw materials to manufacture or product to resell, the costs are tremendous, and they go up exponentially every decade, if you will, Mm -hmm. where if you have a public warehouse or a third-party warehouse, all that is all that is there already, and your cost is their layer of profit. Okay, so yep. if I'm not spending money on getting a building, and I'm not spending money on equipment, and and, and so forth and so on, I can spend that money on growing my business, on marketing, etc. The most important thing, though, is I lived for ten years that first, that first business I worked for. We were housed in a public warehouse, so I knew the good, bad, and ugly. Mm-hmm. And if it's ugly, it could get very ugly because now you're in trusting your product, your business to an outside company that you have no control of, okay? So, um, so the worst thing that could happen is a mismatch. If the software doesn't talk to each other between your company and theirs, if you think you're gonna be a big customer and they have big customers, then all your needs are gonna be pushed to the back. If you don't really, really understand everything they do they can do, they have to do, completely, and you're going to hire them, and they understand that all, you're at a disadvantage from the very beginning, okay? But at the same time, you need them because you're not going to spend all the money in that co- for that cost, okay? Mm-hmm. So a request for proposal that I did for a major, uh, man, uh, major pharmaceutical manufacturer that was thinking of outsourcing their, their warehousing – The request for proposal was 62 pages long. Wow. Whoa. Okay. It covered, this is how we do business. How do you do business? How do we connect with you? Who's your management team? And how do we communicate them? Tell me anything and everything about your software and how we're going to connect together. Anything and everything, things go wrong. How are you going to take care of me? What are your systems and processes to make sure you're going to handle my account economically? And I'm not overpaying for labor, overpaying for space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't dot every I and cross every T, and again, it's like a legal agreement. If nothing goes wrong, so what? But if something goes wrong, boy, you can be in deep trouble. I was I, I, I was working with a new new business recently, and they were negotiating with a new public warehouse. First, they called me in to check out the old public warehouse, and they were piss, failing them miserably. That was my study, and I showed them how, why, where, and how they had to move, that the most important thing, they would never be capable of doing what they needed. Negotiating with the new one, they had phrases, and they're like, if we have a dispute and you don't pay the bill, we can seize your goods. Mm-hmm. <clears> well, how are they ever going to get paid if they take your goods away? Anyway, right. I, took, I took them through the whole process, and they were renegotiated, so it was fair to both sides, not totally one-sided. If I was not with that company negotiating with them for them, they never would have known what to do with that. So, again, it's legal, it's technical, it's working together, it's it's a chemistry between the companies. So, yes, you need them, but if you don't do it right, it could be much worse than you can imagine.
0: Yeah. Sure, sure. There's two angles to this as well in that by using a third party or public warehouse uh, especially a small manufacturer you're converting quite a potential fixed cost to variable costs right so that's uh, going to affect your break
2: even as well uh yes and no okay so you could say yes um equipment is fixed cost labor is a fixed cost etc etc okay but again you're, you think your labor is a fixed cost, but if volume goes up, you're going to spend more money on labor. You're going to do the same thing with the outside warehouse, okay? Um, the, actually, once you negotiate with the outside third party and you have your costs fixed, those are contractual and those are actually more stable than what costs could be happening within your own business.
0: Oh, absolutely. But what I'm getting at there related to volume, though. Uh, whereas if you build your own huge warehouse and you, <clears throat> that's a fixed cost.
2: Yeah, yeah. But if the, if it's based on a rate, okay. So I'm paying this much per pallet or I'm paying mm-hmm. this much per hour per labor, as long as you have in your contract, what that rate is and it's acceptable to you from the beginning and throughout the contract. So of course you're going to pay more if you get, if you, if you do more. Okay. Sure. Uh, now the other part also is if I take your building now, uh, I, I, I let's say you need a, uh, 20,000 square foot building right now. Well, I'm not going to take a 20,000 square foot building if I'm a startup because so I'm going to, to grow it right away. So sure. I'm going to have to take a 40,000 square foot building and pay for that extra space that I won't be using for three, four, five, ten 10 years. The, overhead. Yeah. the public warehouse allows you to take more space as you grow. So again, it's flexibility. Absolutely. The other one that, that comes to mind is if you have a
0: limited product range, and relatively low value orders if you're trying to deliver those yourself you're doing many miles per dollar of value delivered compared to a public distribution outlet right who's filling his truck every time um
2: it's not quite like that okay because if the key is if you have many orders that are small orders okay and you have a lot of space to cover here it's the system, the process that makes a difference. Right. Either I can do a batch pick and, and pick many orders at the same time to increase the volume, and not have to go through a whole building to get a few items each time. Or I could do a zone pick where each person picks a bunch of orders in that zone. The key is every time you travel, you want to retrieve as much stuff as possible. So uh, so you're not spending... It, it, look, in any business, is direct labor. I'm picking. I'm loading, I'm receiving, there's indirect labor. I'm walking, mm-hmm. I'm searching, I'm writing, okay? And the goal is to have as high a percentage of direct labor as possible, because that's getting your return on investment. Right. The indirect labor, walking, searching, is just wasting time and costing sure. you money. Costing okay? you money, absolutely. So, so you want to make sure that the public warehouse, like if I'm working with them, I wanna see how they're picking. I don't want them to be walking around and gather small orders no. and then charge me more for labor. So sure. it, it's knowing knowing how it should be done and making sure it's done. Uh, I, anything we do in our practice is called best practice. There's the best way to pick orders. There's the best way to unload the truck. And what we do is we make sure everyone, whether it's inventory in the office, uh, purchasing, uh, unloading a truck, best practice, because if everyone is doing it different, a different way, only one, only one person is doing it the best way, and uh, everyone else is costing you money.
1: So, so Roy, you've probably touched on this briefly in our previous question, but if a company contacts you, can you walk us through the process you would take them uh, take them through in, in order to help them? So if I'm a new client, I pick up the phone, call you and I think I, you know, I say, Roy, I think I need your help what's the first thing that happens between us
2: okay okay so the first thing that happens is i'm asking obviously a lot of different questions to learn what the issues are Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes the issues are created by the company themselves sometimes the issues are outside their vendors or their customers have issues Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, the customer has the best intentions but they don't have enough experience either in manufacturing or warehousing, Uh, when I visit a company and I ask the warehouse manager, how do we pick orders? And they go, everyone does it differently. No, okay. Um, And then every company, as you all know, it comes down from the top. The leadership comes from the top. Now in many of the companies I visit, the president is too busy, so he gives it to the vice president. And the vice president is too busy, so he gives it to the manager and the manager is too busy, so he gives it to the supervisor, and the supervisor is too busy, so the lowest common denominator is deciding how the job is gonna be done. Mm-hmm. This happens with very, very busy companies quite often. Okay, so now who's deciding how it's gonna be done? The guy that at least cares, okay? Because what a company should be having is, the leadership comes from the top, and I call it domains. If you work for a company, the most important domain is the whole company after the company may be your division. There may be your group, there may be your person, but as soon as you're putting your personal needs before the group or the group needs before the company management issues galore. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm doing in the sales schools, learning everything I can, I definitely want to drop by and take a look at what's going on and meet these people in person. And of course, That's called a sales call gratis, will never cost anybody anything. Um, I don't have an advertising budget like the major, major consulting firms. So when I go on that sales call or visit, as I walk through the facility distribution or manufacturing center, I'm going to be making suggestions, quick fixes on the trip. So they will get immediate benefit from seeing who I am and how I can help them on the quote sales call. And that's for two reasons. Number one, so they learn what's happening there. And number two, they learn that I have ways to help them that will not be burning large holes in their pockets unless it's necessary, okay? Then what we started, then we, so, okay, Roy, let's work together. So we started with, an. Uh, before we do anything, I have data information requests that I've developed over the years for every single client. And I send that to them before I even make the initial orientation meeting to kick off the project. And this is all the key information I'm going to need, whether it be space, um, uh, where, um, picking volumes, shipping volumes, manufacturing volumes, staffing and staffing costs, equipment and equipment costs, layout, anything and everything that's going on there, I'd like to be looking at that before I walk in the door so I'm better prepared to deal with what's happening. Then we start off with an orientation meeting, okay, where I learn about the company. This is who we are, this is what we're doing. Again, we have the data requests, so I'm going to ask all sorts of questions about growth. So we will end up doing that operational growth plan eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, not eventually, real soon, okay. And um, I'm learning what makes the company tick. So I could visit two, this happened, I won't give you the long version two companies, same industry, same product, same geographic location, and they did everything differently. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, everything's automated. One, you pick, call my company, you speak to a real person. I mentioned before, one wanted zone picking, one wanted batch picking. One wants to dump peanuts in a box, one says, no, no peanuts in your living room floor, we're shrink wrapping. Same business, same, same product, same location, okay? So you have to learn the chemistry. Certain people, certain companies, are avert uh, have an aversion to taking lots of space. Others have an aversion to spending a lot of money on people. So you have to have the you. You can't give a solution that's dissonant with what makes mm-hmm. the client comfortable. So right. You got to learn what their comfort zones are and how they like to work. Right. Then we take a walk through the operation as part of the operation. Oh, and of course I get the key information about growth and future plans, etc., etc. That can only come from the top leadership of the company. Uh, then we take a, an operations review, anything and everything that can happen from the time the product, it's the receiving door till it goes out the shipping door. Um, and again, we're looking at space being used, um, processing systems, staffing, equipment, and IT support, paperwork, anything and everything that happens. And what happens is once I review the whole operation, I, I write up the operations review, and it's gonna either make specific recommendations or give viable options with the pros and cons of each. If there's no clear recommendation, get the operations review, and what comes out of it is quick fixes, short term recommendations, and long term recommendations. And they could either do that, do it themselves, or hire, hire me to implement it with them or for them.
0: Okay, that's a very good picture. Thank you. My burning question, I ask all successful guys with long experience and you're a really good example of that. If I was to ask you for one characteristic that differentiates successful business leaders from the average, what would your word be?
2: Um, uh, a couple of words. The, 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 they have a vision for the company. They, they have okay. to know where they, wh- who they're gonna serve, how they're gonna serve them, where they go, want it to go. Um, they have to be resourceful. They have to have a drive to succeed, and they have to listen and delegate and use all the resources available. It's not one word. It's a combination of words, that combination. Okay. Like okay. I said, when I started my company, I was going to be different. I was going to be creative, and I was going to outwork everyone. That's for my company. But in general, vision, resourceful, drive to succeed, listen, delegate, and use resources. Listen, listen. Very good. Excellent. That's great. Thank you.
1: Well, it looks like we are out of time, Roy, and it's been a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you so much. And I am hoping to have you back as well. So um,
2: well, thank you, Kathleen and Peter. It's been a pleasure for me also. I really enjoy this and I hope your viewers enjoy it as much as we have.
0: Um, There's a lot of of good stuff in there, but before we go, how can people contact you?
2: Sure, okay, so I'm Roy Strauss. My company is the Strauss Consulting Group. my email address let's use this one info at s is the Strauss season consulting at in group and then before and you so it's info at scg for ucom and my website wwwscg for ucom and I have a long uh a long a longer version but just go into LinkedIn and type in Roy Strauss
0: great we will put all that on the video thank you very much great and thank
2: you again
1: and thank you and thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show once again we do appreciate your comments so please keep those coming and if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show please don't hesitate to reach out to either peter or myself and until next time take care everyone Bye-bye. Bye bye